love you, Jesus. We praise your wonderful name. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. Holy Spirit, as we come to your word, I pray that you would seed your word into open hearts that again, Lord, our lives would be fruitful to glorify you. Lord, we understand that our passage through this life is brief, relatively speaking, in light of eternity to which we are heading. And Lord, we want our lives to be pleasing to you. We want our lives, the output of our lives, the work of our hands, the labor that we're involved in for your kingdom to be productive and for it to glorify you. In Jesus' name, we ask it for your glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We thank our musicians. Come on. They've blessed us this morning. Wonderful. Well, I want to continue on this morning. We've been looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and we've been focusing particularly on verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read that, start off from here and go into some things this morning on beyond this. But let's start by reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, referring to what Paul was giving to the Ephesians church. He says this, for we are his workmanship or God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What we've said over recent weeks is that Paul had an amazing ability as an apostle to picture what God had done in Christ for our lives. He could picture through revelation the wonderful saving plan that God had for each one of us in Christ Jesus. And when you read his letters, you see how he goes into detail about how God saved us, about how God's forgiven us, about how Jesus, through his blood, has redeemed us and purchased for himself his people, his church, His bride, Paul, had this amazing ability along with other ministers, other apostles of Christ to picture the wonderful plan that God had in Christ when he came to redeem this world and our lives. In Ephesians, when you look through this letter, you see things And you see pictures where Paul recounts where God found us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And yet because of God's great mercy, because of his great love in Christ, he raised us up together with him to be seated in heavenly places. What is he doing when he uses this language? He's giving us pictures to understand what Jesus has done in saving us. But what I said to you was this, Paul wasn't just a man that explained and painted pictures about salvation, 
as wonderful as it is, as necessary as it is, to understand the wonderful saving grace of Jesus Christ in our lives. Paul wasn't simply a man that painted pictures. Paul was a man that outlined a clear purpose for our lives. And here we see it in this wonderful verse when he says that we are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus, created for good works. Your life has been created for good work. The good work of God. It really has. You know, sometimes you get up on a Monday morning and you think, oh no, not work again. Sometimes work gets bad press. But the good work that God has created for you is exciting. It's exhilarating. It's full of adventure. It has God's supernatural power and backing behind it. It's not laborsome. It doesn't break you apart. It enables you to do what God's destined you to do for your life. And Paul here outlines this purpose very clearly in this verse. He tells us about the wonderful picture of salvation. We are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. But also he outlines a very clear purpose for every single one of us. We're God's workmanship, yes, but we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared beforehand by God. There are good works for you and I to engage with in our world. There are good works for you and I to take hold of every single day as we walk out into our world, into our life. There's good works all around us to be involved in. For God to get glory from. And they've been prepared beforehand for you and I to walk in. Let's be alert. That's what we've been saying. Let's be alert to those good works that are queuing up to meet us on a daily basis. Let's not close our eyes. Let's not be be buried beneath life problems. And circumstance, no, let's engage. Let's be expectant to see those good works that God has for us that have been preordained, pre-arranged, divine appointments for you and I to recognize, to engage in, and to work for God so that he might receive glory. They're there for you. They're there for I. They really are. And we have to recognize them. We have to take hold of them. Now, I said to you that good work isn't necessarily easy work. Good work can certainly be hard work. But God graces you with the strength that's necessary in order for you to fulfill that good work that he has preordained for your life. When you read through the New Testament and you read specifically through the book of Acts you understand that the church was birthed with the power of the Holy Spirit 
And yet on every page you see those early disciples and that young church engaged in good work for God, transforming communities, transforming towns and cities and villages, going way beyond their borders, even to the ends of the earth as they engaged with preordained work that they had been destined to work in, to walk in. This is what Paul was talking about. You open the book of Acts, you understand that it's not just a recital of facts. It is a book of Acts. Acts of the Holy Ghost through God's people, enabling them to take the kingdom and the good news of the gospel into every part of society and see its power to transform it, see its power to change it. And who knows what next week holds? I can tell you this, next, what next week holds for you, it holds good works preordained by God, prearranged for you to engage with, prearranged for you to walk in. And I believe at this time the Holy Spirit wants to excite our hearts, wants to stir up our faith in order to recognize those great works that God has for each and every one of us. He really does. He really does. He wants us to understand those good works that He has preordained for us. The emphasis of the New Testament one of the emphases of the New Testament and a strong emphasis of it is for the people of God to engage in the good works that God has prearranged and preordained for them to walk in. Listen to Paul's words to the church at Colossae, chapter 1, verse 10. He says this, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God wants you to be fruitful in every good work that you put your hand to, every good work that you come upon. God wants you to be fruitful in, whether it's serving in, in a department, in a team, within this local church to strengthen what we do on a weekly basis. Be fruitful in that good work. Whether it's opening your home to have a connect group, to bring people in, be fruitful in that good work that God's prearranged and preordained for you. Or whether it's beyond those spheres, in other areas, within your workplace, out in your world. Be fruitful in that work. Then to Timothy. Paul says this, 1 Timothy 6 verse 18. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Paul was talking to a young minister that, that he had put in pastoral care within a church and he said said listen encourage the church to be rich in good works you look back over the history of this church it's very unique it's very unique it's always had a richness of good work 
Oh, thank God for that. Thank God that this isn't a sterile place. Thank God that when the people of God come together collectively, that God's Spirit moves and God's Spirit blesses the work of our hands. This church is rich in good work. It really is. And it's not just to down, it's not just down to one, two, or three or four. Yes, they may have the responsibility of bringing it together. Yes, they may have the responsibility of organizing and, and, and structuring it so it, 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 it can be useful. But together, collectively, through our input and through our strength and through our unity of faith, we're rich in good works. Titus 3 verse 1. Through Titus now, Paul is instructing this young pastor to remind the church to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work. So he says, you know, be fruitful in your good works, be rich in good works. But through Titus, he says, listen, be ready. Be ready for every good work. Be ready for what comes your way. Be ready for the opportunities that, that's going to meet you through everyday life, everyday circumstance. Be ready. Be alert. Be looking out for those good works that you can involve yourself in. Why? Because these, these very good works have been prearranged, preordained, preplanned, divine appointments for your life and for my life. And they bring great release and fulfillment for you and I. They really do. Then on into Titus, same chapter. Verse 14, he says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Maintain good works. Well, that's what we've been doing over many years here whether it's through Jesus Cares, whether it's through Haley and Noel overseeing our music team, raising up young people, maintaining a good work. Dean and Michelle and, and the team, Neil and Allison, Andy and Siobhan, Nathan, others, Tony and Lara, week after week after week, maintaining good work. Our children's church, who very rarely get to sit in a service like this. They rota, they're workers, yes, but very often they're over in another building looking after our children. What have, what have they been doing all of these years? Maintaining a good work. And that's what we do as God's people. That's what we do as God's family. Simon and Marcia in the media team. Maintaining good work. Bringing it all together. Are there times when life is tough? Are there times where, where you want to give up? Of course there are. But there's something in us all that just keeps us coming back. That, that enables us to keep standing and having done all to stand, remain standing. What, do, what is that? It's maintaining good works. Not throwing in the towel when times get tough. But we just maintain good works and it's 
It's necessary. It's necessary now as it was then because Paul knew that sometimes, you know, it's easy to start, but it's hard to finish. But he said, listen, Titus, that church that you've got there, you just encourage them to maintain the good work that they've started. Don't give up. Don't throw the towel in. You were all excited when you got going. And now you may be midway through and you may be having second thoughts. Titus, tell them to maintain the good work of God in their midst and in their community. And that's what, that's what we always have to keep our eye on. And then in Galatians chapter 6, Paul warns the church to not grow weary. Not grow weary. Because when you're working for God, even with preordained work that He's ordered for you to walk in, it's easy to grow tired. It's easy to grow weary. You're working for God. You're, you're engaged in, in maintaining this good work that He's prearranged for you to have in His body, in His church. And yet, in the midst of all of that, it's easy to grow tired. It's easy to grow weary. Listen to his words to the Galatians. Chapter 6 through from verse 9 to 10. And he said this. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Don't grow weary, he says. Don't grow weary. To the Ephesians, he tells them that they've been, that they're the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus, created for good works, prearranged and preordained by God. And to the Galatians, years on, he tells them, listen. Don't grow weary in the good work that you're doing. Don't grow tired. Don't throw in the towel. Don't back up. Keep going. Keep going. To grow weary means that you're losing the power that initiated the good work in the first place. It means to slow down. It means to quit. It means to lose heart. It means to faint. Growing weary. Paul talks to the church and he wants to encourage them. Because he sees that, that, that they're at a critical point in their history. They'd started out strong. They'd started out with a good work. And now they were at a point where potentially they were going to lose heart. They were going to grow weary. They were going to grow faint. And Paul comes to them and he says, listen, don't grow weary. These people weren't growing weary because they hadn't done anything. These people weren't losing heart because, you know, they were just sat at home, home, not involved. No, these people were growing weary because they were doing a good work for God. These people were growing weary not because of laziness, but because of their zeal and their energy in the things of God. 
They were growing weary, doing a good work. And sometimes we have to examine the condition of our heart when we're doing a good work. Because when you're doing a good work, it's not necessarily that you're growing good. You could be growing weary. And when we grow weary, we have to realize that God is our source. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest in order so you don't give up, you don't quit, you don't give in. You don't have to grow weary in doing good. You can grow good in doing good instead of growing weary. We really can. And I believe that this is an important point. An important point that we have to understand. An important point that we have to cover in all of this promise that directs us toward the good work that God has prepared for us. Weariness is a very real contender when we're going for God, when we're going to do God's work. You know, when we, like Faye said, when we set out a year ago and we had to complete another huge application. I mean, the application was one thing and the appendix was even bigger than the application. I mean, it was massive. But, you know, at that point, at that beginning point, it would have been easy. And we certainly sensed that feeling of weariness and heaviness. But you just got to break through it. You just got to go for it. You got to grit your teeth and say, Lord, you want this. This is not about whether we want to do this or not, this is beyond, beyond this moment, there's a whole host of people that can be reached and blessed. If we don't grow weary, and I believe that we've received a harvest as a result of not growing weary, of not growing faint. And that's for all of us, for all of our team. Weariness comes to set us back. Weariness comes to close you down. Weariness comes to put a ceiling on your life. Weariness. You know, you look at Luke chapter 10 and you see a scenario there. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 where Jesus begins to outline a very sad situation of a man that was languishing and dying on a Jericho road. And a priest comes by first of all and he looks at the man and he walks on by coldly has no compassion on the man for his need and this guy's dying and this guy just walks on by could that have been a good work that had been prearranged and preordained for that priest to engage with i believe it could have been it could have been a good work, an opportunity for that man to reach another man and rescue him from that dangerous place. Then a Levite walks by and he just 
he comes across, he calculates the cost to get the man from that point and it's too much, he walks on by. And then suddenly a good Samaritan, you know the story, moved with compassion, reaches that man at his point of need, rescues him and puts him in an inn and takes care of him. What is that? That's a man going out into his world, looking for the good work that's been preordained and prearranged for him to engage with and involve in his life, even though it may be at, at an inconvenient time. Good work is all around us. Good work, church, is there for you to engage with and involve your life in. Good work. Finally, you're going to have to read this when you go home, but you'll see it. In Matthew chapter 14, incredible chapter, Jesus is ministering and he receives news that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. John the Baptist had been a forerunner to Jesus. He was, the, he was his cousin. And they had a wonderful relationship, grew up together, friends, partners in ministry, in bringing this new move of the kingdom, the new covenant, the New Testament time. They were partners together in bringing this great new era to the world and to Israel. But John had been imprisoned because he'd rebuked Herod. And then... Through, through a series of events, he was beheaded. And, you know, it was such a gruesome, gruesome situation. Herodias had asked for John's head to be delivered on a platter. And it had been taken to Herod's table. And John, the martyr, had been sport and the entertainment of that party. What a, what a degrading, what an awful, wicked thing for a servant of God to, uh, to, to endure. What an awful ending to a man's life that had been so good to his nation, been so good to, to its people. What an awful ending. What a wicked ending. And Jesus receives news that John had been beheaded. And you know, in Matthew chapter 14, you can read it. It says that Jesus just wanted to go to a lonely place. He wanted time on his own to grieve, to, 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 to think about what had happened. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine receiving that kind of news of, of one of your relatives being beheaded by a wicked, evil king? I mean, what would that do to you? That has the potential of making you weary. That has the potential of causing you to quit. That has the potential, the very potential of just, you know, you turning around and saying, God, I'm finished with this. I'm over. And Jesus goes to a, a, a solitary place to be alone. But the Bible says this, and you've got to picture it. You've got to understand the context of it to see how awesome it is and to see how awesome Jesus is. Verse 
says he went to a lonely place, but the crowds of people found out where he was going and just followed him. They were completely, probably unaware of what had happened to John, probably completely disconnected to the feelings and the emotions that Jesus was feeling and to, to, the, to the pressures that he was undergoing as a person. And they came from everywhere. And he was trying to be alone to, under, to, to undergo this, this situation that was really difficult. And then Jesus, it says, he looked, he looked at them and he was moved with compassion. This compassion rose up within him that couldn't, you know, that weary, weariness could not contend with. A compassion rose up within Jesus' heart that caused him to rise from that solitary place, caused him to, 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 to leave that place of loneliness and it says, the Bible says, he began to heal them. Even amidst all of his grief, even amidst that backdrop of John being beheaded so brutally and cruelly, Jesus healed the masses of people. He went on the rampage to glorify his Father in heaven. What was he doing? Walking in the good works that had been prepared beforehand for him to walk in. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. He was a man that was completely under control of, of the will of the father. And every, every day he walked in those prearranged, those prearranged works, those good works that, that his father had created for him. He healed them, it says. And then... After a few days, they sat down and he fed them. He took a little lad's lunch and he fed them, provided for them to the point that there were 12 baskets left over. But Jesus, you're in need. Jesus, you need to take care of yourself. Jesus, you need to think about your situation for once. No, the Son of Man had already nailed his colors to the mast when he said... The Son of Man has not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was offering his life and giving his life as a ransom and as a service to others, even when he was in the darkest moments of his life when he lost his cousin, John. Then on beyond there, it doesn't stop. Matthew 14, you read it when you go home. On beyond there, he jumps in a boat and he goes over the, over the Sea of Galilee, I believe we were there, to Gennesaret. Paul showed me where it was. I can see it in my mind now. To Gennesaret. And he met a multitude of people. He'd gone there before and he'd met a demonized man that was naked, bound in tombs, breaking chains. And he cast a legion of devils out of that man. And as a result of Jesus delivering that man to his right mind, that man went through five cities declaring the good works of God. Works preordained for that man to walk in. 
through five cities. And now Jesus returns back over and there's multitudes of people on, on that land of Gennesaret waiting to receive him. What was happening? All of those people from those five cities were coming to him as a result of that one man. What can God do through your one life? Through one word, Lynn. Don't ever despise a, a word, a comment, an act. Don't ever belittle it. Don't ever underestimate. What if the boy had underestimated his, his loaves and fish? Jesus would have never held a miracle in his hands to give to many. No, don't ever underestimate your involvement and your work for God. And he goes over there and he preaches the kingdom. And on the, in this backdrop of pain, confusion, darkness, loss, in this backdrop of a heavy heart, He's giving, he's giving, he's giving, he's blessing. He's walking in the good works that have been preordained and prearranged by the Father for him to walk in. Amen? Now, do you know, I believe the Holy Spirit is emphasizing these things because he has a host of good works for each and every one of our lives whether it's telling somebody of the good news of the gospel, introducing them to Jesus, praying with them, bringing them under his care, whatever it might be, God is positioning each and every one of us in a place where we're ready to recognize, receive, and engage with those good works that he has for us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray, but I want, I want you to be aware of that. I want you to be aware of that. And as we go from this place today, maybe take some time when you're on your own and just say, Lord, go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Right? Just go to Ephesians 2. Verse 10, and say, Lord, thank you that I'm your workmanship. Thank you. I'm the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. A perfect work. A brilliant work of God. I'm created now for purpose. I'm created for good works. And ask the Holy Spirit to help you to recognize those good works that are there, that are going to be waiting for you to engage with throughout the week within the church, within this local church. Maybe you can host a connect group. I'm mentioning it again. Maybe, but maybe you could host a connect group. You could open your home. Somebody said to me recently, you know, about their connect group. They said, we haven't, got a, we haven't got a big connect group. There's only two or three of us. It's only small. I said, well, it's impossible for it to be small. And they looked at me. I said, because 
God is never involved in anything small. If Jesus said, I will be with you where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm telling you now, it's not small. To host the King of glory, the King of kings, to have an audience with him where two or three meet together in the midst. I'm telling you, it's impossible to have a small gathering when you're hosting the King of heaven. We're not into numbers here. You can meet in your home with two, three, four, ten, fifteen, or thirty like ours. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just having an open heart to use what you have so that God can be glorified. Whether it's your home, whether it's it's something out there in the world, listen, let's be aware. Let's be aware of those things about us. Amen. I'm going to pray. Maybe you're here today and you've you've come and some of this is new to you. You've never prayed a prayer or asked Jesus into your heart. And today you want to do that. Well, I want to pray with you right now. I want to give you an opportunity. We've sung songs today and you may have felt a sense of Jesus in this place and particularly knocking at your heart. Do you know he loves you so much? You may never have heard that before. Or God may have been a distant thought. Do you know Jesus loves you very much? And the moment that you open your heart, the moment that you just confess with your mouth that you're in need of him, ask him to be your savior, And you confess with your mouth that he is Lord of your life. The Bible says you shall be saved. And I want to pray with you right now in this moment, in this quiet moment. And help you to pray a prayer just asking Jesus into your life. You know that there's more to life than what you have. You know you've been searching for peace. You can't find it. The Prince of Peace, Jesus, can actually end your search. He can give you the peace that you need, the fulfillment and the future and the hope that you desperately long for. I'm asking you to pray this prayer, inviting Jesus, the Prince of Peace, in. You'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, pray this with me. Quietly in your heart, say, Lord Jesus... I'd like to know you as my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Make me clean. Give me the peace that you promise that I long for. I believe that you died on the cross to take my sin away. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I might live forevermore with you. I believe it. I believe it. And now I ask you to come into my heart. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, We're going to have some 
Bibles at the back at the end of this service. Our welcome team will just be under the tiered seating. We'd love you to have a Bible. We'd love you to take away a Bible. And we'd love to stay in touch with you if you'd like that. We would love to do that. And also, what we say every week to people is, just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Be a part of this family. We'd love to be on this journey with you. If you've prayed that prayer, asking Jesus into your heart. Is that okay? Church, let's stand to our feet. And listen, let's get excited about all of those good works that God has prearranged and preordained for us to walk in in Jesus' name.